We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Two guests on the show on this Football Friday. Jay Gruden in his normal Friday spot with me coming up in the next segment. And then Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philadelphia will be on with me. uh, And he'll give us the Philadelphia perspective heading into Sunday's game in the final segment of the show. The show is presented by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name. You'll get a free estimate. They will take good care of you if you're in need of new windows. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And let me mention also that if you're planning on betting on football this weekend, I want you to consider my bookie. I've been talking about this all week long. My bookie is offering my audience an unheard of welcome offer. They're offering a 110% deposit match on your first deposit. That is in honor of Washington starting off the season 2 and 0 for the first time in 12 years. Yeah, they're 2 and 1 now. But when we talked about this last week, they were 2-0, and and my bookie wanted to offer my audience something special. You can more than double your money before you even wager on a game. You've got to go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC to claim the deposit, and you've got to do that before the end of the week. All right, this offer is expiring shortly If you've got a place where you're betting already, go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC and take the free money. You can deposit up to $1,000 and receive $1,100 additional into your account. So you'd have $2,100 in your account. If you deposit $100, you'll have $210 in your account after they bonus you an additional $110. Uh, this is an incredible offer. And again, uh, you know, you may have a place where you're already wagering, but take the free money, take the second place where you can comparison shop on point spreads, etc. And if you've been looking for a place to bet, you can trust my bookie. They're one of the best out there. They've got fair point spreads, fair lines, fair pricing, and you're getting all of this free money as a listener to this podcast. MyBookie.ag, my promo code, has to be used, Kevin DC, and you've got to get it done before 
Uh, the football starts this weekend. So I want to start the show by playing something for you that Ron Rivera just said earlier today in his Friday presser. You know, Friday's the last time the head coach speaks. The next time we hear from Ron will be after the game. You also get the injury status. By the way, Logan Thomas is in. Uh, Chris Rodriguez is out. He's got some sort of illness. Uh, and then Percy Butler is listed as questionable, even though he was a full participant in the Friday practice. But anyway, the presser today was relatively brief, as it typically is on a Friday. You've got most of your questions out that you want to know uh, during the Monday presser, during the Wednesday presser, uh, etc. But Ron had an answer to a question that went a little bit long, and then Ron got into one of those Ron riffs. And I want to play the Ron riff for you, but let me give you the context. The context was a question about, you know, how he can tell that things are starting to mesh offensively. And he talked about, you know, there's no timeline necessarily, but it's about consistency, you know, about doing it game in and game out. And, you know, acknowledges it's a young quarterback and it takes time, but consistency is the biggest thing that we're looking for. Uh, And then the follow-up question was something about, well, have you seen some of that consistency this week? And he said, you know, the energy level was there. They had it on Wednesday. We're, you know, we're looking for, for technical things. And, you know, it was a good week of practice. And then then Ron started to riff a little bit, and I want you to listen to the riff part. Here it is. And so until there's a consistency in doing things, a consistency in winning, you know, you're, you're still developing, you're still growing. I mean, you know, I know people talk about the process, the process, the process. Well, it is part of the process, you know. Um, but, you know, shit, this is my fourth year. You know, now, do I have a different quarterback? Yes, we do. Um, but, again, but still, you know, some people just can't get past the packet, you know, that it's my fourth year, which I understand. I respect that. So we just got to go out, practice hard, play hard, develop, grow, and hopefully win. Never believe the coaches that tell you that they don't hear what's being said about them. Uh, and we've known that about Ron since he got here. He hears a lot of uh, what's going on on the outside. And, you know, the reference to the fourth year and some people can't get over it. Well, yeah, uh, it is your fourth year. And here you are starting your fourth year with a long-term project at quarterback. And so to find that consistency offensively, uh, it's going to be a process and maybe a long enough process where you won't even be here to see the end of it. But that gets back to what he said, remember, when the season began or shortly before the season began, where he said, you know, if they go 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one, and he gets fired, uh, but he left them with 40 of their 53 players and they win the Super Bowl, send him his ring. He'll feel vindicated. Um there is definitely a part of me, and I felt this way for a long time now, you know, every bit of like, you know, the last seven, eight, nine months. I think Ron is resigned to his fate. He's a competitive person, he's a good person, but I think he's been through a hell of a lot. I think he understands what happens when there's new ownership. Uh, and the fact of the matter, or the truth of the matter, as Ron would say, is pretty much his only chance to stay is to win and win big this year. And that just doesn't happen with an inexperienced quarterback essentially in his rookie season. Even with the best of them, it doesn't happen. 
So even if it turns out that Sam is the right guy long term, they're more likely than not not going to have the kind of season he needs this year to keep his job. It's the NFL. Things happen. They're 2-1. and one. They could go to Philadelphia, win, and if they win you know, 10, 11 games and they win a playoff game, it would be hard for Josh Harris to say, you just had the best season this franchise has had in 18 years, but I'm going to bring somebody new in to coach the team. Uh, but it is interesting to hear Ron bring up the fourth-year thing and recognize it. And by the way, he said, I respect that. Um, he kind of has to respect the fact that here we are in year four, hasn't had a winning season yet, and we're not only starting over at quarterback, we're starting with a guy they took in the fifth round that is very much a wild card at best in terms of whether or not it will work out. Um, Anyway, I wanted you to hear that. So let's get to my keys to a win over Philadelphia and a prediction on the game. Real quickly before I get to that, congratulations to the Orioles. I know there are a lot of Orioles fans that listen to this podcast. A lot of my friends are Orioles fans. They're Nats fans too, but you know they grew up rooting for the Orioles. I never did. Uh, I went to a lot of the Orioles games. I've been to playoff games at Camden Yards. Uh, I went to Memorial Stadium a lot uh, before Camden Yards was built, Uh, but I just never adopted the Orioles as my team. But I've got a lot of friends that are really, really pumped up for what is coming in the postseason. And the Orioles lost 110 games two years ago, and now two years later, they're the number one seed uh, in the American League playoffs. An incredible story. And by the way, just a reminder, you know, where the Nats were last year, the improvement this year, and I think what everybody believes will be a big jump next year. Uh, will it be a jump to 100 wins? Probably not, but I wouldn't be surprised if next year, this time, we're talking about the Nats entering the final weekend of the MLB season with a chance at a wild card. Uh, that would be fun. Uh, all right, to Washington and Philadelphia. So there are a couple of things that I think should be at the top of everybody's list, but one thing more than anything else. Number one, Washington beats Philadelphia if they protect Sam Howe. I think that there are other things that are important, and I'm going to get to those things, but this has got to be priority number one this week, right? I had Logan Paulson on the radio show today, and he really focused in on the number one priority being stopping the run and making Jalen Hurts beat them. Look, Jalen Hurts will throw a couple up for grabs, and he's been a little bit off this year, and you don't want DeAndre Swift running through your defense like he has been previous defenses in the last two weeks. But to me, after what we watched last week, protecting Sam Howell's got to be the priority. Now, if the opponent wasn't Philadelphia, maybe I'd think differently, but they're facing another very difficult defense. If there's anything resembling a repeat of last week, I mean, even if it's half as bad as it was last week, that's a problem. You know, if it's not nine sacks, but it's four and a you know four and a half sacks, we'll call it five sacks and two picks instead of nine and four. That's still a problem because you're gonna lose if he gets sacked five times and he throws two picks. The two picks in that particular 
a description would probably be more impactful to the final score. But you can't have anything resembling last week. And if it happens, I'm putting it on Eric Bieniemy this week. Uh, this should be at the top of Eric Bieniemy's to-do list. Protect my quarterback. So how do you do it? Well, um, you can run the football, obviously, more. Because the less you drop back, the less he's going to get sacked, more likely than not. Uh, you can run a lot of quick game when you're throwing the football. Screens, bubble and traditional screens. In terms of protection schemes, you can go with more than five offensive linemen blocking on dropback situations. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, first and 10 uh, play action, first and 10 empty set, get it out quickly, first and 10 bubble screen game. I'm talking about more than five people, even if they're only blocking four on third and seven or longer second and 10 or longer, you know, using at least another back or another tight end, chipping, whatever you got to do, five on four hasn't been good enough, especially when you've got to protect for a longer period of time as the quarterback is going through some growing pains. You know, I would simplify it for Sam, which is kind of what Cooley suggested, the other day, um, you know, perhaps it's, you know, we're going to read one and then we're going to get to the check down immediately. And maybe if that check down isn't there, you're the check down. But they've got to protect the quarterback and they've got to protect him from himself. If not, you can't play football and win games if your quarterback get you know is dropping back as much as he is and he's getting sacked 9 times and he's getting hit 15 times and he's getting pressured as much as he's been pressured you know somebody sent me um an email i'm going to look for it real quickly uh it came from jason <clears throat> jason said patrick mahomes has faced the lowest pressure rate of his career this season while you know, we know that Sam Howell is facing the most in terms of pressure this year per next gen. You know, how much does Eric Bieniemy have to do with both of these situations? Interesting question. I didn't realize that Patrick Mahomes was facing the lowest pressure rate of his career, uh, which is, you know, interesting in that in that opener against Detroit, no Kelsey in that game. And feeling it out with a lot of new receivers, and it wasn't pretty to watch. Um, there's nobody getting uh, that's better at getting rid of it uh, and making his decisions. And then, of course, off schedule than uh, than Patrick Mahomes. But who knows? Uh, that's uh, something that we should watch throughout the course of the year. Uh, because right now, forget about Kansas City, although that's an interesting nugget. And thank you, Jason. Um, but it's about what's going on here. And what's going on here is that the quarterback's getting sacked, hit, and pressured way too much. That has to change on Sunday or they have no chance. Number two on my list of Washington beats the Eagles if. 
Uh, it's what Logan Paulson told me on radio this morning. Stop the run. Now, he wants the run stopped because he believes Jalen Hurts with the ball in his hands needing to throw the football is a good situation for Washington. I, I am not as down on Jalen Hurts as I've heard uh, others be. Um, I know he has struggled here early, and he threw two picks the other night. Jalen Hurts beat people both ways last year. He beat people by handing the ball off, by running it himself, and then by throwing the football down the field, as we saw in the Super Bowl, where he was brilliant in that game. I thought he was better than Mahomes. I thought he was the best quarterback in the Super Bowl. But I think they've got to stop the run because Philadelphia, in their last two games, has run it for 460 yards against Minnesota and Tampa Bay. DeAndre Swift has 305 yards rushing in the last two games. He's averaging seven yards per carry in the last two. And we know about Philadelphia that they've got a lot of people that are threats in their run game. The quarterback is, Gainwell is, Boston Scott is. You just can't let Philadelphia run through you like a knife through warm butter. They'll do that. They'll take what you're giving them and what you aren't stopping them from doing, and they don't have to throw to beat you. You know, they didn't need to throw to to, to win the last two games that they won. DeAndre Swift is actually uh, really good. He looks awesome. I, I thought that this was possible when he came into the league, and he got the opportunity because Gainwell got hurt a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how you... Uh, bring Gainwell and have Boston Scott back this week and ready to play because he's been banged up for a few weeks, and you don't give DeAndre Swift another 20 carries in this game. Now, keep in mind, Jack Del Rio's done a pretty good job stopping the run against the Eagles. He did it last year in Week 3 when they lost 24-8, to held them to 2.4 yards per carry, and he did it in the upset win in Philly last year on Monday Night Football. Uh, so... Del Rio has focused in on stopping the run, and what a matchup uh, between Washington's defensive line and the Eagles' offensive line. One of the more talented defensive lines in the league against, I think, the best offensive line in the league, certainly one of the top two or three. But you've got to stop the run, and yeah, based on what I've seen with Jalen Hurts here early in the season, he'll give you a chance or two for sure. And so if you can put him into, you know, drop back situations, maybe that's that is more preferable than having it run down your throat. And remember too, part of why this is a bit of an issue for me uh, going into this game is I wasn't super thrilled with their run defense against James Conner in week 1 against Javante Williams in Denver early in that game in week 2. Last week, it was actually better on first and second down. I mean, Cook's yardage came primarily in the second half. It was Josh Allen who killed him on the ground with rushing yardage, scramble yardage in the first half. Uh, But stopping the run, really important on Sunday. Uh, Third, uh, Washington beats Philadelphia if they're plus two or better in the turnover margin. I said this last week, they ended up being minus four. Really, it was more like minus five because the the interception that Josh Allen threw, Kendall Fuller picked off, was on a third and 20, and it acted pretty much like a punt. Uh, Washington's got eight, uh, uh, eight giveaways so far in the season. Um, that is next to worst in the league 
Minnesota's got nine. Washington's got eight. You got to stop giving the ball away. You got to take it away a little bit more, too. They get five takeaways in three games. That's not terrible. It's at a better pace than where they've been um, in recent years, but their minus three is 26th in the league. You got to be plus two on Sunday to beat a team like Philadelphia on the road. Have to be. I, I just, I don't see a scenario in which you end up. Uh, you know, at plus one or worse. I mean, plus one maybe. I don't want to act like this is such a long shot because I don't feel it's a long shot. I don't. Um, But, you know, last year, remember, in the upset win in Philly, they were plus two in the turnover margin. They were plus in the penalty margin. They were excellent on third down. Um, But, you know, they got four takeaways in that Monday night game. So... I think that, you know, plus two. And then on top of that, you know, they've got to get the breaks that you get, you know, when you beat a team that you are near now, you know, near double-digit underdog against. I mean, Philly's minus nine now at my bookie and seems to be climbing. Uh, I think that it's one of those games where you got to have one of those, you know, big plays to A.J. Brown for 27 yards, and then there's this holding penalty, and it doesn't even look like a holding penalty. You know, they're calling it closely, and every ticky-tack call goes against Philadelphia. DeAndre Swift breaks off a 14-yard first-round run holding, you know, and you get some big punt return by Britt Covey, and he's dangerous in this game, and there's a block in the back. You know, that completely flips the field from where he returned it to. You need a lot of that on Sunday. It's not the super long shot that it was last year on Monday night, if you recall. I liked Washington's chances in that game. Uh, I said that was a game in which I'm pretty sure I had Washington in the smell test. Um, Last year they were getting, I think it was 10.5, 11, whatever it was at Philadelphia. Um, I'm not going to tell you that I'm predicting them again like I predicted them last week against Buffalo. But in some ways, I don't think it's as long of a shot. Um, In retrospect, I didn't think it was a long shot at all last week. But I think Philadelphia isn't as good as Buffalo right now, if that makes any sense. Anyway, back to my keys to beating uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Thirdly is plus two, and then they need a a lot of the breaks, the penalty calls to go their way. Fourthly, uh, special teams will be big in this game. Joey Sly, was, he was the MVP of that upset win at the link last November. He had a 58-yarder right before halftime. He had a 55-yarder that gave him a five-point lead. He had a 44-yarder. He had a 32-yarder. He was 4-for-4 four four on field goals in that game. He was the MVP of that game. This could be one of those games. You know, I think you'll see – more punts in this game without it hurting a lot offensively. I believe in this defense. I do believe in this defense. And I think that they the defense can hang in there and make it a game like they did against Philadelphia uh, in Philadelphia last year, as they did against Philadelphia after the eruption of points by Philadelphia, which was some, somewhat turnover-oriented uh, in the first game they played against them last year. But Joey Sly could be a key figure. Tress Way could be a key figure. And Britt Covey is dangerous on kickoff and punt returns. Punt returns would be more applicable here because Sly is capable of kicking it out of the end zone and not allowing kickoff returns. But Covey, you know, had a big one, uh, a couple of big ones on Monday night against Tampa. And remember, in Washington's last two games, 
they've given up big punt returns. Uh, the big one to Mims Jr. in Denver, and they gave up one last week uh, against Buffalo. So those are kind of my top four keys. You know, protect Sam Howell, stop the run, plus two or better, need every break, you know, turnover-wise, deflections, penalties. Um, and then I think special teams will be huge in this game. It was in the last game. Like, I could see a couple of turnovers in short fields where maybe they don't, you know, capitalize with touchdowns and maybe they got to kick some long field goals. He did it last year. They probably need him to do it again this year. Uh, all right. I'm not predicting an outright win like I did last week. Maybe that should uh, please some of you who uh, laughed at me and mocked me for my prediction of an upset over Buffalo last week. That game was at home. They were only a six-point dog. They went to a four-and-a-half-point dog before kickoff against the Bills. This one seems to be going the other way. I do think, though, that Washington bounces back with a much more encouraging performance. It would be hard for it to be any worse than it was last week on offense in particular. I like Philadelphia 22-17 to in a competitive game, like a one-score game in the fourth quarter, maybe something like 17-16 to Philadelphia. Uh, Washington, Philly scores, goes for two. They miss, so Washington has the ball late with a chance down 22-17 to go down and win it. Something like that. Uh, so that is, by the way, Washington plus the nine and under the total. Um, the total this week uh, in the game is 43 right now at my bookie. All right, Jay Gruden up next right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. 
Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. This segment of the show brought to you by Window Nation. Window Nation has a great deal going on right now. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two full years. Plus, get up to 50% off all style windows. Bow, bay, double hung, any style. You'll save thousands on your new windows and your energy bills all the while making your home look much better. Yeah, for two years, you'll have the benefit of new windows. You'll save up to 30% on your energy bills, and you won't pay anything until the year 2025. And when you start paying, you'll be paying half price. Window Nation's windows are made right here locally, right here in the Baltimore, D.C. area. They measure each window three times to ensure proper fit, and that's why 96% of their installs require no follow-up service. If you've got windows that are sticky or they're hard to open or hard to lock when you close them, or they're 10 years of age or older, you need new windows. I would recommend giving Window Nation the first chance. I've been endorsing Window Nation for 14 years now. Uh, I have complete trust in them. If you call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com, mention that you heard about Window Nation from me, Kevin Sheehan. They will give you a free estimate so you've got nothing to lose, and they will take good care of you. The deal right now, if you're in the market for new windows, is one you can't pass on. No money down, no payments, no interest for two full years, plus up to 50% off all style windows. Half price on bow, bay, double hung, any style. Save thousands on your new windows. Save thousands on your energy bills. And make your home look better with new Window Nation windows. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. All right, jumping on with us as he is doing every week on Fridays during football season is the former head coach of the Washington Redskins, Jay Gruden. Uh, Jay is down hanging out at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tampa. I think you're getting ready to play golf. Um, but have you been gambling at all? How's that been going for you? Yeah, I dabbled in a little bit just watching the game last night. I wanted to watch it in peace and quiet, and uh, I played, and I think I broke the Guinness World Record for most losses in a row. <laughs> Kevin, I, I think it was it was unbelievable. It actually got to a point where I just kept playing just because I couldn't believe this surely can't happen again, and it happened again. And you were, so and you were playing poker. You were playing poker straight up against I just play, the dealer. I just dabble in this game, uh, Ultimate Hold'em game. It's, uh, it's like Texas Hold'em, but yeah. you're playing against the dealer. And, and it's, it's a fun game. It's a leisurely game. And, you know, if you hit a couple hands, you're, you're good for the you know for a long time. If you don't, you, you lose a lot. I just didn't hit one and didn't beat the dealer once. Um, that is rough because eventually, typically, if you hang out long enough, it'll start to come back around. It's supposed to, but it doesn't always. At least you win a hand. I mean, you're just playing against it. You should win at least a hand, right? Of course. And and the dealer wants you to win. The dealer wants you to win. I bet he felt sorry for you. I don't even gamble that much. And, I, you know, I just sat down to watch the game, and, uh, yeah, that's what happened. What would you think of the game? I thought the Lions played great. And, uh, yeah, I I think they're a pretty good team. I think they're underrated. Um, They have a very good offensive line. They have two very good backs. they got a quarterback that's very experienced and can let it rip. They have receivers that can make things happen. 
And their defense is the one thing that I don't think people realize is pretty good. They have a good pass rush, and their secondary is playing good. And uh, Aaron Glenn's doing a great job with that unit. Yeah, uh, that was that was an unbelievable beatdown in the first half. I, I think what was surprising to me, you just mentioned it, is they're better on defense than they were last year. They were terrible on defense last year. Uh, they're better on defense. Yeah. I, I think they're the best team in that division. I actually still believe Minnesota's capable, certainly on offense, of getting back into this thing, although they've had three tough losses. But maybe Detroit's the most complete team in that division. Yeah, you're probably right. Minnesota last year, they won a ton of close games, and this year they're going the other way. So they can obviously get back to it. They're only a couple games back. They get a win this week, which is a must-win for them against, I think, they're playing Carolina. Yeah. But they definitely have the talent to get in there. And in Green Bay, Jordan Love's still developing. He's not, you know, he's got a ways to go, but he's, they still got a chance. They're a game back, and they play Detroit again. There's a ton of football left. I'm concerned about the branch injury. I don't know what he did yesterday, but he was a key component to that defense because he can do everything uh, from the safety spot. Yeah, I mean, he was um, he was a guy that I think Washington was interested in. There was a lot of discussion uh, in the draft about uh, them taking uh, Branch in the second round. He actually got hurt, played well, had a pick, right? Didn't he have the pick six in the opener? Or he had um, a fumble return in the opener against the Chiefs? I'm forgetting now. but And then ended up getting hurt, but he looks like a good player. Um, by the way, you know, do, do you pay attention to – all of the statistics about you're 0-2, you're 0-3, and this low percentage of teams have ever made the playoffs? Or do you do well, what a lot of coaches no. and players say, and that is, you know, try to go 1-0 and this week? Yeah, that's the biggest thing you have to do. That's the only frame of mind you can have is, is the week in front of you. Now that there's 17 games, all those stats are irrelevant. One more game makes a world of difference as far as uh, only team, only five teams in history have started 0-3 made the playoffs. There's a lot of parity now, um, and an extra game really makes a big difference because you can go nine and eight and sneak in. I mean, Washington got in last year at what nine and eight or whatever it was. Well, they didn't get they didn't ago, right? they didn't get in last no, year. No, Jacksonville, Jacksonville won. Jacksonville the did on the la- right. Yeah, yeah, they won eight and nine. I think they were. So, yeah, you, there's still a ton of ball left. Yeah, and a lot of those numbers I've pointed out um, here over the last couple of weeks was based on a 16-game schedule with six teams making the playoffs in each conference. We've now we're now on year three of 17 games and seven teams in each conference. Exactly so that'll right. change um, the opportunity. So you're getting ready to he- head out and play golf uh, today. I think you said with with family. Uh, where are you playing? Like stream song? Where are you playing? Somewhere playing, really nice. Uh, no, my brother's a member over at uh, Pablo in Tampa. Yeah. So we're going to go play there. Okay. Him you, and his son, Michael, who's big DJ. Oh, he's a Hexed, big... if anybody wants to look him up. Hexed he, is his music. He's pretty pretty talented. Oh, kid. good. Good. Um, that's your brother. That's your nephew. My nephew, yep. Yeah. And he's a, he's a musician. Um, so, by the way, somebody pointed this out to me, and I went right to your Twitter account the other day. Uh, in your picks last week i think this is with your son you do a podcast with your son i don't know why you haven't told me about it because we can certainly promote it is is the podcast called taking the points that's his handle name for twitter and his tiktok and he's he does predictions and all that stuff and funny stuff so that's his thing and i do a podcast with him with bet jack casino i'm up at cleveland and we just pick the games um yeah, and you well, went and you went twenty four and four against the number last week. It was something. Like, well, you figure there's 
16 games and 16 over under, so there's 32 games. I think I was like 26 and six or 24 and eight, something like that. Um, my my, I lost mostly the over unders. Over unders are hard to do. Like last night, I mean, if you have the under last night, it's a pick six almost right from the get go. You're like, ah, I'm cooked. But yeah, game wise, I was pretty good. Well, you know, um, the books will tell you that uh, the hardest thing for public bettors to wager on are unders in any game, especially when it is one game on a given night. So when you see a standalone game on a Monday night or a Thursday night or a Sunday night, the public typically has the over. And the reason for that is it's very hard as a fan to root for no points. You know, to root for the game really to move is. quickly. You know, for for there to be you know no clock stoppages. And um, last night the game did go over. By the way, your pick last your pick in the opening opening week did not work out so well. You gave me uh, Arizona. Arizona, um, but they they won the game. Th- well, no, was you, my you, survivor you, pool. You, pick. Get, you gave me oh, you, so the Giants were your survivor pool pick, not <laughs> minus the four. Okay, well. Um, no, that was a loser with the point spread. But last week, last week you gave out the Jacksonville over, and that sailed over. However, I think you thought Jacksonville would beat Houston in a high-scoring game, not the other way around, right? Or not? I just knew there were points. I really think Houston's a pretty good team. They have great skill, and they have a very good running back. And C.J. Stroud is an emerging star, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's why I wanted that. In Jacksonville, I figured they would eventually get their offense back on track, which they haven't really done yet. I'm surprised by Jacksonville's inability to score with Ridley and Kirk and the good back ETM, so it's confusing. Why do you like Stroud so much? Because I think coming out in this draft, he wasn't the one necessarily of the, you know, Bryce Young and and the group of them that everybody swore by. I mean, he went second. I, when, I, just, you know. I just watched him on tape, and I was, I was impressed by him. Even in the loss against Baltimore, I thought he threw the ball pretty – decently and then the second game he played extremely well they moved the ball up and down the field and I like the weapons they have around him and then of course against Jacksonville he's 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 pretty good I think he's uh, got really effortless accuracy I mean he throws the ball on time and accurately very easily in my opinion and he can move a little bit so he's uh got great upside I get more I think he's got more upside as far as playing the quarterback position than anybody in this recruiting in this draft class for sure interesting um what do you think of Kenny Pickett yeah, that's a great one. I, I've, he's got a ways to go. The coordinator, the, the they got to get on the same page. The receiving core's got to get open. They, it's, there's a combination of a lot of things going on there with his struggles. You know, the Pickens is a good player, but he's not like a good separator of getting open. They don't really have another guy that gets open. Austin is a fast guy. He's a young player. Fairmuth is a good tight end, but he's not really a good a guy to get separation. He's more of a zone beater. So they don't have a lot of weapons to get open on the outside. And he's, you know, not got a cannon. I don't know. He's The jury's still out on him. He's young, still developing. They got to do a lot of good things around him for him to be good. Yeah, they're not doing that. By the way, just explain to everybody, a zone beater versus a man beater, that's a guy that, you know, is it, it's easier for him to get open against space versus somebody that's straight up on him. Exactly right. Does Miami like does, Kelsey, Jordan Reed, the good tight ends that ever they, they can get open in man to man and zone, they can they can crush you at both. You know, so you can't just line up a safety against Travis Kelsey and say, Okay, we got him covered. No, you're 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 gonna die quickly. So you gotta try to double him or bracket him or play zones and, and then he finds the holes. 
Does Miami have anybody as a pass catcher that is only a zone beater, or are they all both? Uh, they're all both. They all can run. And Waddle didn't even play last week. Right. So they they utilize them extremely well as well. I think Coach McDaniel's doing a good job. He's kind of reinvented some of these motions that you see teams are starting to do now where they just line up in one spot and they just sprint out to another spot and they get a running start. It's almost like the arena football or Canadian motions now. They're getting a lot of free access, which you give Tyreek Hill and Waddle free access. It's, uh, it's, it's tough to cover them. Um, that's interesting to me because the you're right, except that it can't be forward motion like it is in the CFL or you know in arena. It's got to be lateral. Yes. Um, so, but, but you can't press them. There's no right. way you can play bump yeah. and run against that type of motion. You have to play off, back off, and then you get free access. You run the quick out. You run the post. You run the dag. Whatever you run, you know he's just got free access where you can't press them and play outside leverage and jam the heck out of them. So, do you think the Dolphins are for real? I do think they're for real. I mean, you have to. I mean, you don't score 70 points every week without one of your best players. I know Denver's not very good, but they are for real. Um, it's, it's this week four, obviously, and they, I, I think this is going to be a great game against Buffalo because Coach McDermott, they're, they're a good tackling team in Buffalo. They have good coverage schemes. They have very versatile safeties that can do a lot of different things that can confuse a quarterback. It'll be a great matchup, and this will be a great test to see how for real this offense is when they play Buffalo at Buffalo. All right, so perfect um, uh, segue into Buffalo. So how much uh, of last week was on the fact that Buffalo's defense is smart, it's fast, it's nimble, it's versatile, versus what Washington did? Uh, Both. Combination. Buffalo has the ability to do a lot of different things, uh, coverage-wise and front-wise, that can confuse a young quarterback, and they can get pressure with just four guys, which is critical. So they have a very good pass rush. They can... They have a very good blitz package, and they're versatile in their coverage schemes and their fire zones, which they obviously confuse Washington quite a bit. Washington just wasn't quite ready for a matchup like that. They played uh, Arizona and Denver. Obviously, you got two wins, but Buffalo's on a different level than those two teams. All right, so let's focus in on two people, um, Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy. What would your coaching points for Sam Howell be after that game? Well, you got to shake it off. There's no doubt about it. You're going to have games like that in your professional career. He's had three starts and won three games. and Everybody's already crowning him to be the next Joe Montana. Uh, there's going to be some up and downs, and it could be another down this week, but you got to bounce back and you got to focus on the things that you do well. And Coach Bienemy and he and Sam got to get together and come up with a really good plan that makes them very comfortable because right now he doesn't look comfortable in the pocket. You know, when you take nine sacks, you're not very comfortable. You got to know where your check downs are. You got to get rid of the ball. Some of it's on Sam. Some of it's on the offensive line. Some of it's on protection schemes. So there's a lot of things that they got to clean up in that regard. I want to see him protected more so in the next couple weeks than anything. You can't give up nine sacks. I want to see zero sacks, one sack, and that's it. But they have to get that figured out quickly. So how do how does Eric Bieniemy figure it out? How do you protect him? Well, there's a lot of different protection schemes they can use. They can do some more max protections and have some three-level throws. There's uh, some bootlegs they can do to get them outside the pocket a little bit. Some of these straight dropbacks, five-man protections. You know, if you do a, a simple fire zone, if you send the center the wrong way, the tackle's got to squeeze. you got to throw hot like they did last week. They throw hot right into a flat defender and it's picked. So there's things that are uh, they can clean up a little bit from the protection standpoint, do more six- or seven-man protections, let them have some clean pockets, some more max play action. Uh, actions to give him a clean pocket, let him set his feet, and let it rip. 
it's only one game. We've talked about it all week. You know, it was going to be, for most people who are being reasonable, it was going to be an up-and-down ride here, and we don't know where it will end. Um, but was that performance Sunday, you were encouraged, everybody was encouraged off of the Denver game. Um, how would you describe nine sacks and four picks? Look, I, I've been saying all week, usually you take nine sacks when you don't want to throw picks when you're trying to avoid throwing the picks, and he did both. Did that performance discourage you at all as it relates to Sam Howell? Well, a little bit, but he's done already enough in his four starts to warrant uh, the opportunity to continue to develop in this offense and with this team, that he's got enough skill and enough talent to be a good starting quarterback in the National Football League. Some of the decisions that he made, the first interception was just a critical decision that a young player will make from time to time a veteran player won't make. I mean, it's third down and 14. You're in field goal range. If you throw the flat route for a gain of seven, you get three points, and it's three to three. If you try to drive the deep curl into coverage and it's picked, you get zero points, and that's what he did. Those decisions he can recover from and get better from. The other interception I mentioned, he threw a hot and a flat. Well, that's that's kind of on scheme. He did the right thing. He threw it to the flat. He was un- There was an unblocked defender right in his face and it was picked. Those he can get better from and the scheme can get better. But I think he's a talented kid with a lot of upside. You know, the th- it was third and 19 actually and I was curious as to whether or not that's something with a young quarterback you're in his ear before the play saying hit the check down Bates and we're going to kick a field goal here. Um, or or the play call should have been what we see a lot of, you know, a draw or a bubble, something to get it out of his hands quickly to pick up seven, eight yards, kick the field goal, it's 3-3. Three, three. How much, and maybe Biennemi did. I'm not suggesting that he didn't, but is that is that is that something you've got to emphasize, you know, before you send in the play with a quarterback, especially a young quarterback? Yeah, I think it is, and I'm, I'm sure Eric did. I think he'd probably say, hey, man, it's uh, third and 17. Don't forget about your flat. We're in field goal range. You know what I mean? If it's there, give it a rip. If not, just check it down, and we'll kick, get, get three and get the heck out of here. So, yeah, that's, that's something the quarterback should know, but it's nice to be reminded in the heat of a moment, and I just don't see any reason why he would throw that into that coverage with that player sitting there. But like I said, you know, he's, he's got to get a little bit better protection, set his feet, and let some things rip, and then decision-making – We'll get better as time goes on. I wanted to mention this because I've talked about it a little bit and I talked to Cooley about it on Wednesday. The, the, the one thing, and I'm not overly discouraged in terms of you know yanking him. I want to see more because I've seen some good things. But that performance on Sunday was disturbing to me as a fan because it really is almost unprecedented. We, had, we haven't seen anything like that in 28 years. But the, the, the hot throw to Gibson on the free rusher the one thing that you know I saw there and also on the pick six, he's small. And there you know, that throw, by the way, the pressure, he couldn't get it into the general area because he's a smaller quarterback. On the pick six, he's a smaller quarterback. Some small quarterbacks to me don't play small, but I thought he played small last week. What do you say to that? Yeah, I agree. There's Definitely merit to that when you see those plays, especially the pick six. He did look like a, he did look very small on that play, and then the other pick that you mentioned. Um, yeah, there, there's arm angles and things you can do to uh, compensate for your size. Uh, Drew Brees is stand on his toes a little bit when he was in the pocket, so you could see a little bit better. 
but that's something he's just got to do on his own to see better and, and get the ball out. And maybe that's why he's holding the ball so long because he can't see down the field. He doesn't know, you know, uh, these linemen are big right in front of him. If he can't see, you're going to hold the ball for another click until you can see a window, and then by that time it's too late. All of us say to protect the quarterback, why won't he run the ball more? What do you say? Well, Washington doesn't have an overpowering line where they can just hand it off and get five yards of crack. So they sometimes the run, some some of the early down passes are extensions of the run game. Some of them are RPOs, some of them are bubble screens or whatever it might be. They just have to get more productive on first down, whatever they call, and keep Sam out of third and long because you know what a disaster that is when they're in third and long. So, yes, running game sounds great. Hey, just run the ball, but it's easier said than done. If you don't have a tight end at the point of attack that can block the defensive end, uh, cut off backside, and it's, it's it's very difficult if your offensive linemen don't get pushed up the middle. The, the center guard combination got to get pushed and get up to the linebacker. If you're not athletic enough or strong enough to do that, it's very difficult to have success. I heard that you run on the ball. I heard you say this earlier this week. I think it was with uh, Russell, or no, it was with Grant and Danny. You would have pulled him at the end of the game. Oh, for sure. It was thirty to nothing. With, five minutes ago he took two more sacks and got hit four more other times I mean, this kid had a rough day let's let him take a step back let's Jacoby have a couple reps get to try to get a drive in the end zone get a little feel good going to the I mean there's no way you can feel good regardless what happens even if Sam goes down and scores a touchdown it's not like this is you know high school football where you get bonus points for competing at the end of the game you still lose the game but you got to protect your guy and he was taking way too many sacks seven already ended up being nine and you got to hit two or three more other times, which you never want your quarterback to do. All right, so what about Philly? Well, it's going to be another challenge. Philadelphia's defensive line, if you think you're going to run between the tackles against them, that's going to be tough. They have two mountains in the middle, and Fletcher Cox, and they have speed on the outside rushing the passers. So the whole thing is going to be about line play and how Washington is going to be able to get yards moving forward. Is it going to be on the perimeter with perimeter runs? How are they going to do some uh, gap-blocking runs? What are they going to do? How are they going to get Brian Robinson? ball and have some success that's the number one issue they have to figure out and then when they do have third down are they going to protect Philly's got a good blitz package and they have very good pass rushers are they going to chip the ends and lose people in routes or are they going to send out you know five guys out in, in routes and only have five in protection like they did last week a few times and leave Sam out there it's, it's going to be a tough game for Washington all across the board getting points defensively I think they'll be fine what would your game plan be offensively? Like, how would you approach this game, especially coming off what happened on Sunday against Buffalo? I've had games going in. I feel like you're totally overmatched. You, you know, you, you don't want to say that out loud, but you feel like, oh, my God, how are we going to block this team? How are we going to block this front? I mean, we're not going to be able to run the ball. You can't drop back and throw it. It's, it's uh, kind of scary, and this is kind of one of them. But I think you just have to continue to do what you're doing, what you've been doing since training camp and what you've been preaching, whatever that is. Are they a physical football team? We'll play physical. Are they going to spread them out and and get the receivers open? Receivers got to do a better job of getting open too, in my opinion. They're, they feel like they're just running to space instead of trying to get separation. There's they were covered like Sam had nowhere to throw it to. Like half the times he took sacks. So let's get some better passes. Let's get them in some bunches of sacks. Try to get some quick throws for Sam. Get some bootlegs. Get them outside the pocket a little bit because Philly is an aggressive front team that runs fast. So bootlegs will help out a little bit to get some completions early, and then. You know, take a couple shots with Terry every now and then. By the way, I meant to uh, mention this because I had it in my notes, that I do remember that game against the Rams, your first year coaching. Colt was just taking an absolute beating. 
Um, and he got banged up too. But you, you were, I think you were going to pull him. And 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 Robert went back into the game. Um, if that's the game I'm thinking of, right? The Rams game, Colt just got obliterated, and you pulled him at the end. Or where was he? One of the Rams games, I thought Kirk started, and I pulled him at halftime and put in Colt. That was the uh, no. That was the um, the Titans game. No, that was the Titans game. Here, yeah, right. that was Titans. Yeah. That, that was the Titans game. Yeah, there was a lot of games of that year that. Was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the like the Tam- I remember the Tampa game was just horrendous. Um, oh yeah, that was the only big, that was the only game my dad came to. We got that's the only time I've ever been shut out. No, yeah, you got was, no, uh, you was, got shut out was, by the Rams, I think. Um, but uh, but it, uh, but whatever. that that Tampa game, it, Robert just really struggled. I mean, it was it was awful, and I think it was after that game, maybe you benched him and put Colt back in. I can't remember right now. That that end of that season got sideways, and what was a shame about it was the upset with Colt at Dallas on Monday Night Football is like a ten and a half point underdog, and then you go to Minnesota. The following week, and Robert's healthy again, and I'm assuming Dan told you Robert had to play. Well, there's a little bit of that, and not to mention on the way to Minnesota, we got in that bus crash where we almost lost our lives. That was a little frightening. That was a weird deal. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't think Dan ever – I think we had to go back to Robert just because we needed to do it. We needed to finalize our decision moving forward uh, with the quarterback position instead of going back and forth and give him every opportunity because he did have a hell of a rookie year. I want to give him every opportunity to try to win the job back and do well. You and know, Unfortunately, it didn't work out. I, I've never asked you this before. When you were applying for the job, and I know that you and, and your brother and there's the relationship with Bruce going back a long way, but when you interviewed for the job, did you pretty much have to say, no, Robert's the guy, Robert can be rehabilitated, what you saw last year, we're going to be okay, I can turn Robert into a, you know, the, the more traditional quarterback that he wants to become? How did that go with, with what you had to say with respect to the starting quarterback, Griffin, at the time before you, you got the job in 2014? Well, when you apply for the job, you look at the roster and see what they have. And my biggest concern was the defense. I mean, there was there was – it was an empty cupboard on defense. Right, Quarterback position, obviously, Robert was young and still trying to develop into being more of a traditional-type quarterback, like you mentioned, but he still had athletic. It's not like he couldn't run anymore. Sure. I mean, he had a hurt knee, which rehabbed, and he was fine. I mean, you see him running right now on ESPN. Down, he's beating uh, Eagles on a <laughs> 50 or whatever. Flying birds. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, But he's still very athletic and can run. Just a matter of who is best for the position for your football team and Obviously, uh, Robert had some issues uh, throwing the ball and uh, seeing defenses and all that stuff, but he's still talented. But I wanted to give him a chance because I thought he was, you know, heck of a quarterback his first year and did some great things. He's a great kid, worked hard, just uh, didn't work out. Let me ask the question differently. If you had come in and you had said, I'm not so sure about Robert, uh, you got Kirk there, um, you know, this is going to be a full fledged competition. That's the way I want to do it. Would you have gotten the job? Probably not. Probably not. Well, the assumption was that Robert was the quarterback after his rookie year. He won sure. rookie of the year. They yep. went to the playoffs, and he did some good things. The second year after the injury, they struggled mightily, obviously. But still, he was the second pick in the draft, and he's the guy on your football team that you got to develop. And that's who the fans wanted. The fans loved Robert. But once we got here to training camp and, and got to see the total makeup of each player, the players and coaches 
come to realize that this Kirk Cousins guy throws the ball really well. I mean, every ball he throws is accurate. It's a perfect spiral. He's a very receiver-friendly quarterback. He's a smart kid. And the competition kind of started once we saw each guy throw side by side. Yeah. All right. Uh, what happens Sunday in Philadelphia? What's your prediction? I think Philadelphia's just too good. I think Washington's going to struggle offensively again. But I think it's going to be closer. You know, nobody gave Washington a chance last year. Gave Washington a chance last year when Philly was undefeated. They went in there and beat them. Division rivals will always be closer than you think, but I think at the end of the day, Philadelphia offensively, defensively, they're just better. Lines up to nine now. Um, it opened at seven. Yeah, I think I'd take Washington on the points personally. I, I think Washington will keep it a lot closer than that. All right, what's your? I think they have a better bounce back performance offensively, but overall, I just think Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, and AJ and Devontae, they're just a little bit better. All right, I'm not going to ask you for you know 32 selections, um, but I'm going to ask you for the, your your pick of the week. You hit on it last week. What's your NFL pick of the week? You know, I'm going on a Monday night. I think it's Monday night, and a lot of people are on the Giants at home. I'm on Seattle. I think Seattle's pretty damn good. I watched them play the last two weeks. They got two really good backs, Kenneth Walker and the Charbonnet guy from yeah. UCLA. UCLA. They run hard, and they have two very good weapons on the outside with Lockett and DK. And, and Geno's the wild card, obviously. Geno can be bad Geno, or he can be really good Geno. If he's really good Geno, I think Seattle wins easy. If he starts to be the old Geno throwing picks, Obviously, the Giants have a chance. But I think the Giants have a lot of problems offensively, and Seattle's a better team right now. Isn't Geno like one of these re- interesting case studies in that, you know, everybody knew he could throw the football coming out from West Virginia, and he was, you know, a bigger dude, but he didn't find the right spot and the right system and the right opportunity until he was 31 years old and, you know, already yeah, that- whatever it was to nine, 10 years in the league. That goes to show you how hard it is to play the position and how much experience matters. And people getting on Sam Howell for playing three games, right. uh, he's got no chance. This is kind of ludicrous. There are, of course, Rich Cannon. Remember Rich Cannon? He didn't play until he was like 32 or 33 years old. He lit it up his last three or four years with the Raiders. So, you know, it takes some time to learn all the, the calls and, and all the protections and see all the route combinations versus different coverage and know where everybody's at on the field. That's the most important thing is, is you know if you're looking for the high cross or the post and, and it's not you got to know where your flat is your check down your two by two your over the ball and get to them quickly and find lanes and throw it uh, so and, and no protections and slide the center opposite where he's supposed to go because the blitz is coming the other way I mean there's so many different nuances to playing a position that experience only is the only uh, thing that'll help you. Great job, enjoyed it uh, as always. Uh, play well today, and I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Jay Gruden, everybody, uh, likes Washington plus the points, but not to win the game. And his pick of the week, the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Uh, I might, I might have something a little bit different in the smell test. Coming up next, along with Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, we'll get the uh, update on the Eagles heading into this game right after these words from a few of our sponsors. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This weekend, everybody, is going to be much nicer than last weekend when it rained the entire weekend. A beautiful fall weekend, the first full fall weekend of the year as September turns into October. Best time of year in D.C. If you're looking for the ultimate outdoor destination to watch games, to hang out with friends, drink beers, listen to live music, look no further than the bullpen. Yeah, that bullpen right next to Nats Park, right in the heart of Navy Yard. The bullpen's your go-to spot for an unforgettable time watching sports, listening to music, hanging out with friends on a beautiful fall weekend day. Admission, absolutely free. Of course, they're famous for being the spot for baseball fans. But this year, they're bringing you all the NFL and college football action you can handle. And they'll have all of the baseball playoff action there as well. So get your guys together, wear your team colors, and head on over to the bullpen. They've got the games, the drinks, the energy to make every moment unforgettable. Visit them today at thebullpendc.com to see the game schedule. Great spot, especially this weekend and the coming weekends as we go through the fall uh, for outdoor football watching and fun. TheBullpenDC.com to see the game schedule. Jumping on with us right now is Ruben Frank. Ruben covers the Eagles and has for years for NBC Sports Philadelphia, a part-time host also on 94WIP in Philadelphia. You can follow him on Twitter at R-O-O-B-N-B-C-S. So, Ruben, uh, the Eagles are 3-0, and but there's a lot of people even in Philadelphia saying they haven't looked good. We've seen the three games they've played because week one was the national doubleheader game. We saw the Thursday night game against the Vikings and the Monday night game uh, against Tampa, and they haven't looked super smooth. Uh, is that fair at this point to say, yeah, they're 3-0, and but they're not playing great? Yeah, no, I think I think that's true, and I think to be three and zero without really playing a complete game uh, says a lot. I mean, they've they found ways to win when they haven't been at their best, 
you know, last year they were, you know, they were beating people 48 to 10 and 37 to 12, and uh, things came really easily uh, for the most part. But uh, it hasn't come easily this year, and I think that's kind of normal for a team that was in the Super Bowl, had a shorter offseason, expectations are high, you got the bullseye on your back, and they've already had more injuries than they had all last year, so they're dealing with that as well. So to be 3-0, and despite the passing game not really getting going, uh, despite Jalen not being at his best, despite the, the edge rushers not really producing yet, um, I, I think that's that's pretty good because those things are going to come, you would think. They're going to get better at, at the things they do well. Uh, so to find ways to win when you're not at your best, I, I think says a lot about the coaching staff and, and the preparation and uh, and and the process that they're that they're in. How much of Jalen not being his best has to do with a new play caller, a new offensive coordinator with Shane Steichen gone and Brian Johnson in? Maybe some of it. Uh, and Shane, I think Shane is as good as anybody calling plays. Uh, he was, you know, he was brilliant. He brought out the best in Jalen. Now, Jalen's known Brian Johnson since he was a kid. You know, Jalen's dad coached Brian Johnson, as you probably know. Um, but yeah, it's a big change, and I think Brian's doing a nice job. And um, I don't think that's the main reason. I think Jalen. I think teams are defending Jalen uh, really well. You know, you look at it, and you start out with Belichick, who might be the best defensive coach ever, and then you have the Vikings on a short week, um, which is never easy, no matter who you're playing, and. And then I thought he did some good things. I thought he showed a lot of growth on on Monday night against Tampa. Um, even though there were a couple interceptions, one was a miscommunication with a with a back, and one was just a great play by the corner. So I saw some good some good growth from Jalen on Monday night, and and some good things. I think he's gonna he's gonna continue getting better and better. We know what kind of player he is. We've all seen it. Uh, over over a couple years now, and he hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been bad. He's been good enough for them to go three and zero. But we really haven't seen elite Jalen MVP runner up yet. How about flipping it to the other side of the ball and the other Jalen? How good has Jalen Carter been in his first three games of his of his rookie year? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen a rookie play at this kind of level on either side of the ball in his first few games. Actually, Carson Wentz was really, really good. Right. Remember that guy? Yeah, uh, remember Carson, that guy? Yeah. Uh, he's, um, he's been, look, we all knew he was going to be really good, but he's been better than anybody dreamed, just dominating um, both as a as a run defender and getting to the quarterback. Um, I mean, teams are starting to, they're already doubling him. They're starting to triple him at times, and that's leaving other guys open. Um, he's, look, I covered Jerome Brown when, you know, his, his too brief career, uh, and that's who he reminds me of. Just that that incredible combination of of power and athleticism, and and effort, and really understands the game. That's been, I think, the big, you know, the big takeaway from his first few games is just his his understanding, his preparation. He knows what teams are trying to do to neutralize him, and he knows how to beat it. Uh, it's been incredible to watch and. You know, I think Washington might have. I mean, their their front four is as good as anybody's. You got a guy like Jalen Carter. You know, we're going to see two of the better fronts in, in the league. I think on on Sunday. You know, in mentioning Jerome Brown, I think back to that defense of you know the era in which the team that I you know talk about and have rooted for my entire life was actually relevant in the NFL. And maybe that's about to happen again. Who knows? With Dan Snyder being gone, but. 
I'm curious, was that defense with Reggie and Jerome Brown and Clyde Simmons and Seth Joyner and, um, you know, uh, Eric Allen, and I'm trying to think, uh, Andre Dirty Waters and, and, and who else was back there? Wes Hopkins. Wes Hopkins. Wes Hopkins um, Byron Evans. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I guess just comparing front fours with, you know, Sweat and Graham and Fletcher Cox and Carter, which, which front four was better? Uh, well, I, I don't know if you can. I think what this this group is better is deeper. You know that that group didn't have a lot of depth, and those guys played every snap. And sometimes it was it was a little much. You know, you're talking about a, a Hall of Fame, yeah. Hall of Fame guy of on course. the edge, and Reggie. You know, he did it as, as well as anyone. And the thing about Reggie and Clyde was they were they were like 295. They were beasts against the run. Like guys, guys want to play at two fifty now so they can get sacks. They don't care about stopping the run. So, so many of your top sack guys on the on the edge are they're two forty five, two fifty five because they don't you know run stuffers don't get paid. Uh, so that's what that's what set Reggie and Clyde apart was yeah, their ability point. to play every down and be be effective every down. Uh, but I think I think when you look at the depth that this group has, I mean to go four deep inside and really five deep. Or five deep inside and four deep outside with Nolan Smith now um, looking really promising. Uh, that's what sets this group apart. I think Jerome Brown would have been a, a Hall of Fame caliber guy if he, you know, if he hadn't died tragically uh, down in Florida. Um, and you know, we we know we know how good Seth and or I, I should say uh, Clyde and, and Reggie were. But um, that group also, I mean, their second in- inside guy was Mike Golick, who's Right. He's great on TV and the radio, but he wasn't an elite player. They right. had Mike Pitts, who they got from the Falcons. He was pretty good, but I think this this group, top to bottom, front to back, uh, might be the best D line they've ever had. Um, all right, let's talk about Sunday. Uh, what do you, first of all, any discussion at all about the the you know eight no start last year being ended by Washington on a Monday night? Is there any sort of revenge uh, discussion no. up there? No, this team doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I think this team is is really disciplined about them. They never talk about last year. Uh, I saw a couple a couple media my media colleagues try to get get people to talk about in the locker room, get people to talk about that game last year, and they just I mean they've moved on. And you know, Washington played played a great game. They controlled the clock. They ran the ball. Um, they you know they did everything. They they kept the Eagles' offense off the field. They, they, their time of possession with edge was huge. They won the game and. But this this team, I mean, their their mantra from day one of OTAs really was, you know, whatever happened last year isn't, isn't going to help us now. Uh, we're zero and zero. We're not, you know, fourteen and three anymore. We're not a Super Bowl team. We got to start over. And they they really have they never talk about last year. They've lived it, and I think that's healthy. I think you have to be that way. You can't rest on your laurels. So, you know, they know what happened, and and they know what Washington does well, but. Um, this team doesn't look at things like now. Maybe if they played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, they might be talking about revenge. But uh, no, they they've really moved on, and and that's a credit to the coaching staff. All right. So, what are the keys to beating Washington from your perspective? Well, I think neutralizing that front is number one. You got a great matchup with this Eagles O line that's been really good, and 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 that front which is which is really good, and now it's Chase Young back. So. Uh, I think that's that's the number one key, and uh, stopping the run has been key for this Eagles team uh, on defense. Just uh, nobody's been able to run on them, and 
Uh, Washington did that last year. Brian Robinson had you know, like 85, 90 yards. And I think the Eagles feel like if they can force Washington to throw more than they want to, because uh, we all know Washington is going to try. They're going to try to run the ball. Uh, they want to run the ball, and uh, the Eagles want them to throw it. They want they want Sam Howell to throw the ball 40 times, and they think that will play into their hands with their, with their rush. So I think stopping the run on defense and – Handling that front on offense are, are the two keys that they're looking at. Are you sweating it at all? Well, each team has a sweat. So, I mean, I guess people from both sides, you know, you can either Montez sweat it or Josh sweat it. No, I, <laughs> I know, but from, from Philadelphia's perspective, that's funny. Um, but do you guys even consider this as a losable game at home as a nine-point favorite? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no question. And, I think Washington's won three of the last six against against the Eagles. So you know we've we've seen them come in here and play well, um, and I think everyone from Philly has a lot of respect for Ron and and what he's done as a coach through his career. So uh, yeah, I, I think that look, like you said at the at the open, the Eagles have not played a, a solid game in all phases yet. So um, they know if if they don't, um, anybody can beat them, and that that's really the truth. He's you see what what Arizona did to Dallas. I mean, if if you you know if you take anyone lightly, you're going to lose. It's just the reality of the NFL now. So uh, you know this is a team that's two and one. When you you know you look at Washington, they're two and one, and if they win, they're in first place in the division. So I don't I don't think anyone's taking them lightly. You and I have watched a lot of these. Just seems in the division, um, it's typically unpredictable with these matchups that go yeah. back uh, all of these years. Enjoy it on Sunday. I, I always appreciate the time. Hope you're well. Anytime. Sounds good. Ruben Frank in Philadelphia. Let's finish up the show with the smell test. Kevin looks where the John Q public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for for the the smell smell test. The smell test, as always, brought to you by MyBookie. And once again, I want to repeat, this is an incredible deal that MyBookie is offering just my listeners, and you've got to get it done here before the end of this week. They're offering a 110% deposit match on your first deposit, all the way up to $1,000. So if you put $1,000 in, you're going to get an additional 1100 into your account. You'll have $2,100 into your account. This is in recognition of Washington starting 2-0 and for the first time in 12 years. MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC. You have to use my promo code KevinDC. This offer does not exist anywhere on MyBookie's website. It's only for this audience. Uh, and again, grab it quickly because the offer is only available for this week. But thanks to MyBookie for offering this up. Uh, it is very generous. Hopefully you guys will take advantage of it, even if you have another place uh, in which you're wagering. Take the free money, create a place in which you can comparison shop on point spreads, on totals, on money lines, etc. MyBookie.ag, promo code KevinDC for a 110% deposit match on your first deposit. Uh, all right, last week, 5-6-1, and 17-15-2 overall. Uh, we enter this final weekend of September. Actually, Sunday is October 1st. Uh, but we've got games tonight. I've got a lot of games in the smell test this week. Uh, I got a note from Andy. Andy said, where do you get your information on where the public money is? 
Uh, I get it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Uh, I have relationships with multiple sports books, and I can get uh, information from them. And b- basically, you know, they'll tell me on Thursday nights and Friday mornings, I've got contacts that will say, this is who we need this weekend. And that is an indication of the public action is heavy on this side. We need this side. We need this team to cover. I've mentioned this before, I I believe. There are lots of sites out there that will post percentages of, you know, public, uh, you know, money, public bets. uh, But look at a lot of these different sites. They actually conflict with one another in terms of information in a lot of cases. So you can't trust that necessarily. You, you can kind of go, if you've been doing this for a while, you can kind of go on instinct, too. You're going to know, if you've been doing this for a while, you're going to know where the public money is more times than not. Like, there's a there's a game this week that seems pretty obvious where a lot of the public money will go, and I'll just say it right now, it's going to be in the smell test. But the Chiefs laying less than 10 against the Jets, who cannot score with Zach Wilson, um, you know the public money's on Kansas City. They're laying nine Sunday night football, and they just figured the Chiefs will go into the Meadowlands and destroy the Jets. Um, and for me, it's not just getting the information about where the public money is. It's also getting information as to where the sharp money is. Now, that is something you can follow a little bit on your own and be fairly confident on um, the, you know, it being uh, related to sharp money. Now, if there's an injury, that'll move the point spread. But when you see a point spread move uh, in a big way in one direction, that is sharp money that is moving that line. That is the reaction from sports books to the dozen or so super sharp betters that have come in on one side, um, and they'll adjust the line accordingly. Uh, but sometimes you can even get fooled on that late in the week because, you know, if you've, if you've read anything about Billy Walters and that book that was put out and written by Armin Katayan, you know, sometimes a lot of the money will come in from Sharps late in the week to move the line only to come back the other way right before kickoff and bet a lot more on a more advantageous point spread. So the, the books know that as well. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, the smell test is kind of a combination of going against the public and with the sharp money, and my information comes from uh, offshore sports books that I've had relationships with for a while. Um, obviously, I'm not going to mention names or people, um, but they've been helpful um, over the years, and some of them are uh, even fans of the show and have been – and fans of the smell test, by the way, um, over the years. Uh, Anyway, let's get to the games this weekend. So we're going to start with tonight. Uh, Oregon State is playing Utah. Pretty big Friday night game. Uh, Utah's undefeated, ranked 10th in the country. Oregon State is ranked 21st after their loss last week at Washington State. They're laying four at home against Utah. Cam Rising expected to be back for Utah. They've been playing their backup quarterback. Uh, They've actually played a couple of quarterbacks. Utah's not been super impressive on offense 
to start the year. They opened up with that 24-11 win against Florida uh, in Utah. Last week against UCLA, 14-7. They were in a close game at Baylor, a team that got absolutely blown out last week uh, by Texas, 38-6. They uh, beat Baylor, uh, Utah did, but it was 20-13. Oregon State can really score. Um, I'm going to give you Oregon State minus the four. Public likes the higher-ranked team, the undefeated team. And that line was three. It's up to four now. I'd play it as soon as you can. Would not be, would not be surprised if it goes higher. Um, but we start out with Oregon State minus the four. Also tonight, uh, Cincinnati's laying points at BYU. All right, uh, Cincinnati's 2-2. Two and two. They lost to Oklahoma last week. Their defense is pretty good. They lost 20-6. to six. BYU lost at Kansas, and, and I gave out Kansas last week, and Kansas got it done. They won 38-27, but Kansas had two defensive touchdowns in that game to get it done. Uh, BYU opened as a favorite in this game at home. There aren't any major injuries to note at this point. There's not a big-time quarterback out. Uh, and Cincinnati has not only a lot of the public action on their opponent, BYU, but there is a lot of sharp money tonight on Cincinnati laying a point at BYU. All right, let's go to Saturday tomorrow. JMU's undefeated. They have adjusted to big boy college football uh, just fine. Uh, They are 4-0, and they're hosting South Alabama in Harrisonburg tomorrow. And the public loves the Dukes. We've got a lot of James Madison people that listen to this show. I love James Madison University. Uh, It is a great school. And they're going to lose tomorrow. Sorry. Um, Sharp money all over South Alabama. JMU uh, opened at 3.5-4. It's down to 2.5-3. Wherever you get it, I'm going to buy the half point if it's 2.5 and and get it to 3. I'll take South Alabama plus the 3. South Alabama I did have as a very confident smell test pick in week one against Tulane, and it did not get there. JMU will give up some points. Uh, They will. um, If you look at Madison's last few games, they gave up 38 last week in a win at Utah State, Cooley's alma mater. They gave up 35 to UVA. Uh, South Alabama, meantime, they can score points. They lost 34-30 last week. They beat Oklahoma State outright 33-7 a few weeks ago. Uh, I like South Alabama. The Jaguars, I believe, South Alabama. Uh, Give me them plus the three. Number one Georgia at Jordan-Hare tomorrow to face Auburn. Auburn has really struggled to score this year. Why is the line only 14 I know it's one of these perceived SEC heavyweight matchups. I know Auburn's at home, but Auburn isn't very good. Uh, They're good on defense. They're not very good on offense. I think Georgia's in for a game. Uh, This line reeks to me. It should be 17. The public's betting the hell out of Georgia. Uh, That line stays at 14. Uh, Give me Auburn at home. Hugh Freeze in a big-time conference matchup. They got run by A&M last week, although that game was more competitive for a large majority of it, in part because of Auburn's defense. Uh, maybe, you know, we get some sort of unimpressive 24-14 to 14 kind of a win like we saw a few weeks ago against South Carolina, 
with Georgia. I'll take Auburn plus the 14. Michigan's laying 17 in Lincoln against Nebraska. I know I gave Nebraska out a few weeks ago against Colorado, and it did not work. Um, I'm giving the Huskers out uh, tomorrow. Plus the 17 at home against Michigan. They're good defensively as well. Uh, Matt Rule starting to get it together a little bit, I think, with Nebraska. They've won a couple in a row. Um, so that one, you know, is interesting from this perspective. Michigan is perceived to be a pretty good team that's one of the favorites to make the playoff. I have not been impressed at all. Last week, they were actually in a close game with Rutgers, uh, you know, a competitive competitive game for a while against Rutgers. The week before that, against Bowling Green, the score was like 7-6 to six late in the second quarter. Uh, I just – there's something about Michigan so far. They haven't put it together, I don't think, offensively, and I don't know that they're going to get it together offensively this week against a good defensive team in Nebraska. So take the Huskers plus the 17. By the way, the other thing to look at in this game, the total's really low. It's like 39. I mean, I I could see like a 21 to 13 Michigan final, something like that. I'm not predicting Nebraska to win the game, but I think they keep it within the 17. Uh, Northern Illinois should be a a 21 point underdog uh, against Toledo. They're getting 13. Take Northern Illinois plus the 13. Hate to do this because I'm I'm a believer that Maryland will be 5-0 after tomorrow against Indiana, going to Columbus next week. But the public is all over Maryland, uh, laying the 14. There's been some sharp action on Indiana. The Terps, I know from watching them, have not really put it together completely. Like They're like the Eagles. They're an undefeated team, but not a team that you would say watching them has been super smooth. I'm not saying they're you know a Super Bowl or a national championship favorite, um, but I think they get through the game. But it's like a you know a 35 to 23 kind of a game against Indiana. Uh, Troy tomorrow. Troy should not be plus one at undefeated Georgia State. They should be getting at least four or five, maybe even six. Uh, this line reeks. Public likes Georgia State. I'll take Troy plus the one. And then Virginia Tech is awful. Why are they only getting two and a half uh, at home uh, in Blacksburg against Pitt? That one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I know Pitt's not that good either, but Virginia Tech really does stink. Um, They are uh, one and three. So is Pitt. I know that. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, lost to Marshall. They got blown out by Rutgers. They lost to Purdue. Um, the one win they have is over o, uh, is over ODU. Pitts played a tougher schedule. Uh, they were right there with Cincinnati. They were right there with West Virginia. Um, they played Carolina, and the game was actually 21-17, 24-17, something like that at halftime. I'll take Virginia Tech plus uh, the three buying the half point, um, and maybe they get it done uh, in Blacksburg against Pitt. Uh, All right, let's go to Sunday. The early game, the London game, features Atlanta and Jacksonville. Uh, The Jags are actually the team that's 1-2 and in this matchup. The Falcons are 1-2, and but the public likes Jacksonville to win this game. It's one of the biggest public uh, bet games of the weekend, and the line has just sat there all week long at 3. I'll take the Falcons 
plus the three on Sunday morning. Uh, I've been right about the Titans here in recent weeks. Um, I had Cleveland laying the number against them last week, but I had the Titans against the Chargers. I think I did the week before. I know I bet them uh, personally. And this week, uh, the Titans are plus two and a half at home against Cincinnati off the Monday night game uh, that Cincinnati needed and got. By the half point, take the Titans plus three at home against the Bengals. The Texans, you heard what Jay said earlier. I'm with them on that. Uh, They're a little bit better than I think people thought they would be. Uh, Pittsburgh coming off that Sunday night win over the Raiders. They're 2-1. and Houston coming off that very impressive win. Uh, against Jacksonville last week, 37-17. to Pittsburgh's favored by three. The public likes the Steelers in this game. So do the Sharps. Uh, the Raiders plus five and a half at the Chargers. Raiders didn't look good on Sunday night. Uh, Garoppolo, you know, was concussed a little bit. This line should be seven. Uh, Justin Herbert went 40-47 of last week. Uh, Keenan Allen had 18 catches, and he threw a touchdown pass. Give me the Raiders plus the five and a half. Sunday night, the biggest public play of the weekend is Kansas City laying nine against the Jets. So on general principle, I'll take the Jets plus the nine. And then Jay gave you Seattle. He kind of likes Seattle on Monday night. I like the Giants plus the point. Uh, The long layoff, uh, the Giants are the anti-public play here. I think the Giants will start to improve and play better. I think Seattle's good. I agree with Jay on that. But I'll take the Giants plus the point. So, recapping a busy smell test with 15 games. Oregon State minus four tonight. Cincinnati minus one tonight. Tomorrow, South Alabama plus three. Nebraska plus 17. Auburn plus 14. Northern Illinois plus 13. Indiana plus 14. Troy plus one. Virginia Tech plus three. On Sunday, the Falcons plus three. The Titans plus three. The Texans plus three. The Raiders plus five and a half. And the Jets Sunday night plus the nine. And then on Monday night, I'll take the Giants plus the point. All right, that is it for the day. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football. Be back on Monday. To be able to come in on the road and have a game like this tonight if they're able to close it out. They're going to throw on third down and seven. Instead, Heineke wisely, and now a flag! And that's going to, in essence, end the game. A flag on that hit as Heineke had taken a knee. And it happened right in After front of Nick Sirianni. Over, personal foul. Defense number 55. 15-yard penalty. First down.